Hello friends and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast and I know immediately what you're thinking, not another one. Yes friends, another one. Uh, this week they're coming at you like London buses. This is the fourth of the week, there will be five by the time we finish, all free content for you to enjoy and consume and hopefully you are enjoy, enjoying and consuming it. My name is Mark Heath, I'm your host and with me three fellow Kings to talk about something which dropped on Monday evening. Tuesday morning, I think, actually, in reality, Monday evening is when it happened, um, which was a big interview with Mark Ashton and Kieran McKenna, carried out by Stuart Watson and Andy Warren. I thought we'd give you a little bit of behind-the-scenes look at that today, as well as other things. Um, but first of all, I'll introduce my fellow Kings. We're going to start with you today, Roscoe. How are you? You've had a trim. How's things? I'm very well, yeah. I've had a fresh trim. Um, I'll quote my girlfriend here. She's saying I looked a bit hairy. Um, my... my... Eyebrows getting hairier, I was getting more hair at the top. My beard was getting a bit bushy, so had to be done. But I feel good. When you say your eyebrows are getting hairy, what, you've, you've had them. You've had them done as well, have you? Yeah, got them done. Got the monobrow done. Yeah, oh, nice. Do you get the old full Turkish barber sort of thing? You get the old flames and all that sort of business, or yeah, not really. My barber, she puts a nice little hot flannel on my face, so I can get all you know nice and steamed up. <laughs> Um, nice little pamper afternoon that was. So yeah, nice fresh trim afterwards as well. I'm going to the wrong barbers, boys. I don't get a, a nice hot flannel on my face or any any of that sort of business. I get him trimming my ear hair. That's about as good as it gets. <laughs> um, boys, I'm going to come to you now. Hutchie, I'm going to start with you. How are you? What happens when you go to the barber? Uh, he he just cuts my hair. Same <laughs> haircut. It's it's got it's kind of like um soap opera pub stage we're at now don't have to say anything just in he knows what he's doing um gets it done does trim no. my eyebrows and then uh, and then we're out he does trim your eyebrows yeah yeah that's part of it i don't get that at all no no hot towels or anything um it's not that kind of place but yeah i always get my eyebrows trimmed because if i if i don't they they do get a bit a bit long and come down over the eyes so <laughs> a bit they, Dennis they, yeah they need to be kept on top of I'm gonna to have to have words with Gareth, my hairdresser. He's never even offered to trim my my eyebrows. Stewie, this is obviously not a question that I can really come to you at. But um, back in the day when you used to have hair, did you? Did, what kind of um, stuff was happening with you when you went to the hairdressers? Uh, yeah, the, let's just leave me out of this conversation. <laughs> Fair enough, boys. It's tremendous to have you all here this fine Thursday morning. Um, the trees at Heath Towers, you might be able to see behind me, are being affected by Storm Dudley, I believe it's called at the moment. So fingers crossed one doesn't come through the window during this recording. That will make things very interesting indeed. What was certainly very interesting, boys, was that pod, uh, which dropped Tuesday morning, um, chat with Ashton and McKenna together. It is now the most listened to thing that we've ever done on this channel. Um, finally, something has knocked off Mick McCarthy storming out of the, the presser post-Barnsley and leaving. That was the, the previous occupant of that throne. Um, and I thought we'd start ahead of a kind of peek behind the scenes bit um, with your observations on it, boys. You had a very kind of brief chat and intro about it on uh, on Tuesday, but maybe a bit more in depth now. Stewie, what, what, a couple of days now since you sat down with the guys, what are your kind of main observations and takeaways from, from that chat? <clears throat> um thought they worked well together as a as a as a duo talking um as Andy and I kind of have our little non-verbal cues when we when we do these interviews a little a little nod a little understated nod yeah you go next for your next question there was a, there was a similar vibe with with Ashton and McKenna they kind of you know it wasn't always Ashton that jumped in first to to answer the questions but you know McKenna sometimes took things on they they allowed each other both to speak on certain subjects so i guess my my first main takeaway is that they seem to work quite well in tandem as a pair hutchie you were there with your work husband um what what are your main observations as we sit here on thursday morning what were you taking away from it well with, yeah without going into kind of all the individual subjects which i'm sure we'll talk about it, it is just it is just how important this relationship is um, how much stock both of them put in their relationship with each other and, and how they're only two months into it. So you would hope that at this point you're finding two people that are working pretty well together. They, they've picked each other. They explained how that happened. And it is, yeah, it's just encouraging to see that you've got two people very much on the same page and, and without delving too much 
kind of back into the past. It's, it's pretty clear from a lot of the things that both were saying, um, particularly Mark Ashton. It it just feels like they've found a manager now that that fits. If that if that's I think that's probably a fair thing to say. I think I think Kieran McKenna fits. Hmm. with what they're trying to do and and it's pretty pretty apparent to, to me that 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 fit is much better now than it than it was um than it was in the past hmm. um before we move on a small bit of praise for you both you're both incredibly modest humble individuals who never take praise or, or seek attention much to to my chagrin sometimes um so i'm going to say to you now boys i thought it was tremendous it was a brilliant listen um purely from a journalistic point of view which maybe people who don't do this job maybe not maybe not appreciate. Interviewing two people together is really hard. Interviewing two people together when you're one of a two-person interview panel is even harder to keep the the kind of questions flowing and the conversation moving. Um, and you both did that really well, as well as asking some difficult questions at times. So superb job, gents. Uh, rightly getting a lot of praise for that. Um, Rossi, as a town fan and someone who wasn't involved in the interview, you obviously listened to it in a different different way. Um, what, what were your main takeaways from it? It was flames. That is the word I'm <laughs> going to use. Um, I really did enjoy it. I was a um, little behind the scenes, little from me. I was doing it. I was listening to it while I was doing my washing up. Um, and I, I enjoyed it very much so. Uh, although it was it was longer, so I had to find something else to do while I was listening to it. Because I, I finished my washing up about 10 minutes in. Uh, it was a big load. Uh, but enough of that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just great. You know, the dynamic between both of them, um, Stu and Andy, I think it worked. It flowed so well. Um, mm. And it's just great to get some insight on how McKenna got the job. Um, of course, um, Ashton praised McKenna with his IQ. McKenna is a very smart man. And he, he answered all of these questions fantastically. I think there's only one time when one of them came in before someone else. Where mm. like, oh, McKenna, McKenna came, went in and went, oh, should I go? And he went, Ashton went, no, you go, my friend. You go first. Um, but no, it was just great. And I know town fans just love these sort of stuff because it's not often we get to hear from the two big boys at the club. I know we get club interviews and we get statements and programme interviews, but this was something completely different. And Andy and Stu, hats off to both of you. It was a good good job. Thank mm. you, gentlemen. That's very kind to say. Um, I think we were quite pleased with how it came out. We do put a bit of thought into not <clears throat> not the exact wording of every question and how they're going to be ordered, but we come up with a, with a general structure. And yes, you always come away from these things with certain topics that that you feel could have been covered. I know people have said you could have delved into the James Norwood situation, the Tyrese Simpson contract situation. Unfortunately, they were ones that we just didn't get chance to uh, to get to within that time. And, and I think we were keen to use this opportunity with the two of them together to explore themes that were, were, were relevant to the two of them. Because it's very, um, there'll be chances to speak to Mark Ashton on his own again. There'll be chances, mm. hopefully, to speak to Kieran McKenna on his own again. But the two of them together, it's quite a rare thing in football to hear manager and CEO talk together like that. So that's why we tried to spend as much time as possible talking about things like recruitment and um, how much time the CEO will give the manager, those sort of topics. Um so, yeah, we just tried to prioritise some of the questions and, and that was the thought process behind it. My my takeaway from it, and I'm pleased you, you said that, Rossi, in terms of having to find other things to do so you can carry on listening to it. That was exactly the scenario I find myself in. I was listening to it in the gym um, and I'd finished my workout and I thought, <clears throat> I've still got 20 minutes or so of this left. So I went for a little walk just so I could, I could listen to the rest of it. Um, it was that kind of essential listening. Uh, and obviously we've heard from Ashton before, um, multiple times actually, very good of him to, to speak to us. So we kind of know the deal with Mark Ashton. We know he, he, he speaks very well. He's very impressive when uh, kind of articulating his thoughts. But this is the first time we've really had Kieran McKenna in a kind of unscripted environment. I know you have the presses every week, but that's very much kind of a, a, a dance, isn't it? Um, whereas this felt more like an actual proper in-depth chat for the first time. Uh, and I was just incredibly impressed with how well he comes across. I mean, clearly super, super intelligent super switched on and for me it felt a bit like a kind of new breed of of manager I know we've we've had the likes of, of Cook and Lambert and McCarthy who are all kind of old school and there's a kind of way that they play the game isn't there um kind of accepted way that, that managers of that ilk approach things um but with McKenna I just feel like this is a totally different 
individual um, in the way that he speaks about the game, the way he explains things, the time he takes with you to kind of explain those things. There's a, there's a term in American sports. Um, you've probably heard this, Hutchie. When someone comes on and kind of changes the game or levels up the game, it's he's playing chess while the other person's playing checkers sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's genuinely the feeling I get with McKenna in the way that he talks about the game. Is that something that you'd share, Hutchie, having having had this chat with him? Yeah, I, I don't think that's changed just by having this conversation, if, I, if I'm honest. It's, it's just an extension of what we've, what we've seen and, and heard from him already. We've talked about this mm. loads over the last couple of months, just about how... Just how, how thorough he thorough he is, um, and and explains things well. I, he just he just feels like a man that's very comfort comfortable in his own skin, um, and is in control of both what he's doing and what he's what he's saying. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think that that side of things sort of necessarily changed my opinion of him. It, it's just an, an extension of what I think we've been hearing for for a good couple of months. A man that a man that knows what he wants and has a good good idea of how he wants to how he wants to achieve that hopefully it carries on with the in, in kind of the successful manner with which it started what i would mm. say is <clears throat> we're talking a lot about kieran mckenna the the measured articulate high football iq logical thinker and all those things are are, are correct but we also saw a little bit of a, a slightly lighter side to kieran mckenna as as well mm-hmm. and i think over time, more of his personality will will show. Um, before we before we hit record, we're having a laugh about the inflatables at, at MK Dons. Um, some some of the more questionable ones there, he found that quite amusing. And then just at the end, when when we finished, we would. <clears throat> it sounds silly to sort of think that this should be some great revelation, but there was a little bit of a two way chat between sort of asking about our lives and his life and you know that sort of stuff and you don't always get that from managers I've almost been taken aback recently where he'll come over and remember your name and how are you and things like that and you go Mm. oh normally we're these kind of invisible ghosts that are just sort of people who turn up and shove a microphone in in front of of people so um you know if that if that's the way he's kind of interacting with us I think that's always a good sign of of somebody's kind of man management skills, which which gets overlooked. Yes, he's he's a, he's a top class coach, but man management is is massive. And and uh, I just think society and young people have changed in general. And I think the way that football managers have to handle young players has, has changed a lot over time. And mm. Kieran McKenna, as someone who's who's dealt with young players particularly, I just think he's he's got a better sort of man management set, hopefully, for, for modern football. Mm. Let's let's dive in then. We've done the kind of sensible what we've taken away from it. Let's have a proper behind-the-scenes chat then, boys. And that's where I wanted to start, with McKenna. I've joked on here um, that he's a bit dull. But clearly, having spent some time now in his, in his presence, boys, you can you can put that to bed. The guy has a sense of humour. He, he has a, a lighter side hutcher, you were telling me, when we chatted earlier, just as, as Stu was alluded to there. Yeah, yeah, he's... No, I, he, he's my kind of person. Like I, we've joked about that as well. I, I, like you think I'm boring, so we, we get on. So we get on. We get on well. Um, no, he's, no, it was, it was nice. Yeah, there was a. I think we probably could safely assume that there was a different side to Kieran McKenna to the one that appears in press conferences and after mm. matches. I think. I, I think there's. I think there aren't too many people that kind of give their full self into those kind of scenarios some do and um but, but some don't um he's a just a, a normal guy who orders a takeaway prezzo for his family on on valentine's day who enjoys questionable inflatables in uh in away ends at times and um he's, he's a confident guy who um i think probably really enjoys the the kind of football in, environment that that exists just a kind of just a, a, an environment where there's there's banter but there's business and I, mm. I think he's quite clearly a guy that that to be a manager you have to have both sides of that to an extent and I, I think he um I think he probably has I, I also like the fact that both on and off air he talks he, a word he's been using quite a lot is humbling he used it about the away following at MK Dons he used it about you know I asked him about what the big difference has been in senior management so far and he sort of said, not not any major surprises because I've done a bit of recruitment at academy level. I've done Man United TV, so the media stuff's not 
not a great surprise to me, but just the, he just said the humbling nature every now and again, you realize, you know, <clears throat> the responsibility of this job and how big a football club this is and how it's resting on my shoulders. And I've just found that really refreshing that you've got a manager that is, despite the fact he's come from one of, if not the biggest football clubs in the world, a, a very high level has come here and, and it doesn't feel like Ipswich Town is beneath him in any way, shape or form. And and I've felt at times with previous managers that there's there's been a bit of sort of looking down almost on on Ipswich. You know, we've had it with with Keane and, and maybe maybe to a certain degree with Mick McCarthy as well. So <clears throat> excuse me, I, I really like that that side of it as well. And it, and Ipswich had to work really hard to get Kieran McKenna away from Manchester mm. United. It was only Kieran's desire to come to this football club that got this deal done I think United would have uh, put up a bit of a fight if uh, if he'd have had any any sort of serious doubt in his mind about it so um yeah I, I think ultimately just came away from it just feeling just another layer of, of optimism about um how what, what was the phrase Ashton used two super oil tankers are finally uh finally turning around hopefully a meeting of minds synergy um <clears throat> Hutchie, for the record, I don't think you're boring at all. That was just that was just for the this business we call show. It was for dramatic effect. That, the lines the lines blur though, don't they? I don't <coughs> know where I don't know where podcasting starts and real life begins. We've done this what was this the fourth one of the week? Yeah. I know we've not been on all of them, but the, the lines blur. I don't know where I am. As Stu once said, I think uh, the end game to this is we just broadcast every second of our lives at some point. Um in the not too distant future, live stream the four kings, the five kings, counting bacon. That would be an interesting feed, by the way. Mike Bacon, <laughs> take us inside the room, then, boys. Paint pictures with your words because you're in Ashton's office, I assume. Um, and people, I know this seems a bit trivial to you, but um, people are genuinely interested in this kind of stuff. So, ha- has Ashton's office changed again since you last in there? Is that massive bottle of champagne still there? Has he got the old JD? Still there, the bottle of JD he likes. Wrong whiskey, by the way. Not really whiskey, Mark. I can advise you if you need advice there. Hutchie, go on. Give us, give us some insight. Um, I think we're seeing a, sh- <clears throat> a slow revolution of this office space. Um, mm. First thing to say is that I think the last one we did featured a bird trapped inside That's right. uh, the wall. That yep. was no, There was no longer a bird trapped inside the wall. Um, but this time, the bottle was still there. The big bottle of champagne was still there, lying down on its side, though. Oh. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's a sign of because it was meant to be to tele- celebrate promotion. Remember, um, mm. so it's on its side because things are in the balance. Uh, some pictures that were previously not on the wall are now put up on the wall. There's an absolutely massive TV in there, nice uh, on a nice new on a nice new cabinet, and it's all looking um, it's all looking very swish. Not just his office either, is it, Stu? Like a lot of the uh, the office areas up there are. Um, very different to, to when we first I think when we first went in there weren't they kind of drilling it all out and fitting the carpet for the very the very first one yeah I, it's just a sign of how much they're trying to change the infrastructure at the the club which was obviously a big topic of conversation again um Ashton I think like when we last spoke to him back in sort of August time it was you know there's a lot of work to do to 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 bring the the ground and the the training ground up up to standard and there was there was more conversations about that there was um a big whiteboard behind i was sat directly opposite kieran mckenna and behind kieran was a big whiteboard in ashton's office that had a list of projects a very long list of projects that had things like um big screen question mark and um mm. relay pitch and nice uh, season tickets um season tickets 2022 23 23 24 so and and on so you can this is the sort of the the long-term thinking that you know was on show on on there so um there's there's 101 things that they they want to do and um it sounds like it's sort of a foot to the floor even in these sort of what you would think are quieter moments away from transfer windows then suddenly they're getting stuck into these these bigger projects uh, that need to be done so um Reminds me of sort of Paul Lambert's shuffle out the door in which he kept sort of talking in a not particularly articulate way about structures and it's all wrong. Everything's wrong, but didn't yeah. didn't really articulate it further than that. But, 
you're now probably starting to see that there was there was an element of truth to that. Paul just wasn't really able to explain it particularly well. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, hopefully things things are starting to happen on that front now. What's has he got anything on the TV? Did we see a glimpse of the data dashboard? No, no, no. There's what? nothing, nothing on there. What pictures are on the wall? Out of interest, has he got tan related stuff on the wall or no? Um, there's a. Uh... I think because of because of where he's from in the in the country and his accent, he, he uh, Peaky Blinders is a. Oh, is right. a, I think I think that's a hang. I think he's explained previously that's a hangover from Bristol City. At some point, I think they they quite liked that he sounded like a Peaky Blinder, so he's got a, he's got that up. I think it was a gift from Bristol City when he left. Nice, um, and in terms of this is going to sound silly, but what we know Ashton is super slick clearly um you know he, he likes his suits and stuff doesn't he uh, and he, he generally does look good what does what does k money rock up to an interview wearing is he in a, is he in a track suit is he in a suit what's he wearing um i i i'm coveting kieran mckenna's wardrobe i actually uh complimented him on his jacket on on the way out and asked where he got it from and he uh told me it was a christmas present from a member of his family and and, and uh told me where it was from so i might go out it was a, a nice sort of <laughs> knee length gray Grey smart jacket over the top of a um, a royal blue long sleeve jumper. He looks good in blue. Um, so yeah, he looked uh, smart casual. If you if you're getting that on your invite, that's uh, that's what Kieran w- was in for for the day. But uh, I liked his jacket from the weekend as well for uh, MK Dons. So um, yeah, mate, are you are you going to turn up? Are you going to are you are you going to turn up on Saturday? Dressed, dressed just like Kieran McKenna. I might if do. Blue jumper. That that grey coat was nice. He didn't he say it was an Irish, an Irish brand, the Irish b- version of Moss Moss Brothers. Um, nice. So Stu's uh, needs a couple of days off to to head over to uh, Belfast. <laughs> On that note, in in terms of lookalikes or, or similes of, of Stuart Watson, I, I note from Monday's show there was talk of um, inflatable lookalikes of, of Watson in in the ground. Can I can I say that anyone? who rocks up at a game and shares a picture of us to us, to any of our social media accounts with a inflatable lookalike Stuart Watson immediately. And I haven't cleared this Vandy Warren, but I'm sure we'll be happy with it. Immediately becomes a friend of the show. You happy with that, Hutchie? I think we, we need get... to make, I think we should make a new, a new club for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get, we'll dish Not out just, some Why is it cards. just on me? I mean, I know I'm probably the easiest one to do. <laughs> Um, it's not no i mean to be fair it's not just you the boys talked about you clearly i guess as you say you, you may be the easiest one to do but any of the kings inflatable versions of um immediate friend of the show extra inflatable wing status Hutchie, i think um yeah okay uh, in terms of ashton i know we've talked about ashton on camera and and during interviews we've all spoken to him he's very very impressive what's he like before you start rolling is he is he the kind of same sort of individuals you, do you always feel like he's kind of switched on in in kind of ashton transmit mode um uh, no no I, it's just a just seems a thoroughly nice bloke <laughs> at, at times there's always he, he's 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 obviously in his working environment so he is he's switched in and, and logged like logged into Ipswich Town we're in his office mm. so it, it's it's not like we're in a, a bar or anything but it's no, he's just a just a just a nice guy from from, from what, what we've seen you can so hear far. On, on the audio that you've heard so far. Mark Mark Ashton is, is a charmer, clearly. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's a salesman, he's a big part of his job, and I think he sort of switches into that mode when, when he's he's dealing with us. So um yeah, we we've we've seen and heard enough of what Mark Ashton's all about, as you as you say. It was um it was the Kieran Dynamic. Kieran and McKenna dynamic that sort of interested me most. He was seemed um, sort of pretty down to earth sort of guys. Obviously, similar age to us as, as well, which is closer in age to the to the players. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm increasingly impressed by Kieran McKenna. He was the type of manager that, when Mick McCarthy left, I talked about sort of uh, being the, the Ipswich Town DNA of giving sort of a manager their first chance, taking taking an educated risk on on somebody a cerebral manager somebody who's fit for modern society and and the more and more i see and hear from kieran mckenna the more i'm convinced that um he is that man as as andy said he's probably 
closer to us in terms of sort of personality wise as well. So hopefully it it works going forwards for for Ipswich Town and for us in terms of the media dynamic as well. Mm. Um, and just finally, by way of kind of drawing a line under this, because I don't want to spend all day talking about the in- inside of Mark Ashton's office. Um, it, when we do these sort of things, sometimes, I mean, right, this, this has been praised, but sometimes there's an accusation that, oh, they're scripted, they know what they're going to ask. I know when you did the first Marcus Evans interview, Stewie, that was a something that was levelled. Oh, of course he knows what he's asking, that kind of stuff. Just want to stress, for the record, we would never, ever agree to do an interview like that. When we do interviews like this, they have no idea what we're going to talk about and nothing is off limits. Then they don't say you can't ask about this. They can't ask about that. Um, so I think that's quite important to stress. It's not, it's not a PR exercise. It's not like when the club do an interview, I suppose, um, when they clearly will have an idea of what's going to be talked about. This is very much on you go, boys. Ask us what you want um, and we will answer it, uh, which is great. And it's, gr- it's great that they do these sort of things and hopefully that will continue going forward just by way of drawing around i think sorry to interject i think in way of fairness there is a there is a a broad conversation like the night before where marcus nash the the media officer would would contact us and just say what what's the vibe tomorrow lads and and we will give a very broad outline of you know well we just want to talk about where the club's at where where it's going in the future maybe we'll talk about recruitment and but it's certainly not question number one will be this question number mm. two will, will be that. So um, even though it's a, a positive situation at the moment and that we're talking about, I, I still think there were some questions that, that were not, not difficult questions, but certainly ones that required a bit of thought in terms of how long does Kieran McKenna have in the job? And Andy put the, the Paul Cook quotes about the, um, about the performance, performance team to to the to the guys as well, so it wasn't wasn't all plain sailing. Hopefully, so um, yeah. You've trampled all over my segue there, Stu, because that's what I was segueing into. The, the difficult questions that you asked. What did you make of the answers that you got from those? In terms of the 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 one that Stu asked about how much time Kieran McKenna's got, that, that that's where I kind of got the the feeling that I mentioned earlier, just about about them having the person in the role that they want to build with now mm. um the more I, I think the more the more you hear about about paul cook the, the more it feels like the fit just wasn't mm. wasn't there um but just obviously mark ashton didn't put a number on how long kieran mckenna's got but the vibe of that was just we we've got our man we believe in this man and he will have time to get it right and uh that's just where i got that feeling from just that they've got the man they wanted and um and it's kind of a, a bit more united and, and that felt that felt quite positive to hear mm. stewie same question to you how did you think they handled the difficult questions and the other the other thing i i thought was quite staggering is the way they were talking about how much work there is to do how far the club had been allowed to deteriorate um in the, in the past kind of decade or so we talked about it before I'm actually hearing that from the people who are now in charge. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? Mm, I think they've probably uncovered more over time. If you go back to one of the initial chats with Mark Ashton, we was asked about, has it surprised you? I remember asking him, has it surprised you how much this club has been kind of allowed to fall into a state of disrepair? Is it a bigger job than you anticipated? Mm. And his initial response to that was, no, no, no. You know, we came into this, we did our due diligence, where our eyes were wide open, we knew the task here, but... That he that's ramped up now. You know, back in the summer it was you know the stadium's looking tired and needs a bit of TLC. But now there there was a bit. Maybe it's because there's a bit more distance between the takeover and now, and there was a bit maybe a bit of sort of cautious respect for Marcus Evans, who ultimately sort of allowed them to do the deal and wrote off debts. But however months down the six seven months down the line now, really ramped up the language about. You know the training ground is in in a hell of a state, and we've got to do X, Y, and Z. So, um, you know, as Andy said about the, the the time afforded to McKenna, the fact that they were talking a lot about Kieran McKenna buying into the infrastructure, he's as keen. He's not just a manager push, push, pushing for new signings. He wants all the he wants to basically try and get a sort of mini Manchester United setup going here. I want the up to date technology. I want to all the sports science to be right. You know and if you're if you're worried about being sacked after a few months, 
you don't worry about all those sort of things. You just worry about getting your best 11 players on the pitch. So he obviously feels that he's got a bit of uh, an element of job mm. security behind him to be thinking about bigger picture stuff like mm. that. The training ground's a good example of, um, I think, a good example of what has sounds like it's been allowed to happen at the club because the training ground used to be held up as sort of a really big example of just how good the club's facilities were. You used to hear, I think, when they were open, they were pretty, they all got opened early 2000s, I think, and it was like highly regarded. Uh, I used to hear it all the time from new signings uh, about how good the facilities were. And Mark Ashton said that he's kind of had feedback from various managers that have managed to hear over the last, it sounds like, eight, nine years, something like that. And it, and the, the feedback is the training ground just doesn't work. Mm. And I think he's talking talking about kind of the flow of people around it, how many people use it, um, the facilities that are there. They've built, they've done a few little bits up there already. They've built some new kind of semi-permanent sort of temporary office space up there, They've which the performance team is housed in. So there's some new buildings up there that houses that and um, the pitches aren't good enough and things like that. But so, so that's something that was kind of so highly regarded at the club and was a bit of a jewel in the crown at times has been allowed to kind of slip back um, to now kind of feel not, not kind of fit for, for purpose, mm. which is a, which is, um which is a shame. That's not a good thing to hear, is it? So I'd say that's a pretty good kind of example of kind of highlighting what, what Mark's trying to, trying to say there. Mm. And just by way of finishing this off then um, and moving on to mailbag, we've had a couple of questions in mailbag about questions that he didn't ask. Um, Stu, you've, you've, you've hinted there at, at Tyrese and, and James Norwood. With hindsight now, uh, they always tend to be when you've done an interview of any any kind of sort. Um, are there questions that you think, oh, should have asked that or, you know, that kind of thing? <clears throat> They're the two sort of probably obvious ones that were on the, the list of <clears throat> quick fire questions towards the end that we we didn't get round to. My fear was, the James Norwood situation is quite a complex one to yeah. get into. Um, and it felt more like a Mark Ashton question than a, than a Kieran McKenna one because it was sort of uh, centred around Paul Cook before and we wanted to try and make things as forward-looking as, as possible. So um, <clears throat> it also has the potential to sort of derail the flow of, <clears throat> of things a little bit as well. You know, we, we tried to, as we said, tried to ask a couple that were slightly more more difficult as well but the whole thing couldn't be a sort of complete grilling you know where are we at with Tyree Simpson and what happened with James Norwood and if you know all of a sudden you lose a bit of the um the flow of things as well so yeah of course there's there's always going to be a couple of things that you you could cover but um you can't do it all in in an hour so hopefully we've covered a, a decent amount of ground hmm yeah um as I say hopefully these will continue because they, they're great um I think it benefits the club as well because having a kind of independent media involvement in terms of asking people questions is always good, being open to scrutiny and, and being able to speak to fans through us in that way. Um, my computer's just trying to shut itself down, just uh, derail that, boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, right then, mailbag then, boys. Hutchie, do you want to do the honours? Let's do it together, everyone. Everybody, come on, let's go. Hey. One, two, three. I think there may be some kind of delay there on, on the Wi-Fi somewhere because that sounded awful. Doesn't work. Doesn't no, work online, howling. does it? Does not work. Right then. Um, first of all, um, we had quite a few questions, obviously, about the interview. Um, which I'll, I'll add in, I'll sprinkle in. We can't take them all, clearly, but we'll do a mixture of football and non-football. And I'm going to start with you, Ross, because you've been silent over that that first period, other than um, a couple of uh, interjections. So Dave Gort wants to know, and it's a question I'm going to keep coming back to you, because it's a question Sam Morsey wants to know as well, Rossi. Uh... Is the season still over, dead, done, stick a fork in it? I believe you said that back in <laughs> December. Um, town, of course, were well out of it. Now they are within five points of the playoffs and one of League One's form sides, Rossi. So is the season still over? I can't go back, so I'm just going to say, I'm just going <laughs> to stick to it because I said it, um, and I hate going back, So um, and we're not going back. I don't want to go back to the past. So um, I hope they prove me wrong. Um, but there's other teams who have got games at hand. We've still got to play Portsmouth, Oxford. I can rattle them all out, Wigan, Rotherham. Um, so, yeah, sorry, it's season's dead. But 
hopefully I'm proven wrong and we'll be going to Wembley. Happy days. I'd love you to still be saying that on the morning of the playoff final. <laughs> season, season's absolutely dead. Stick a fork in it. Right then, yeah. let's let's take a, a couple of thoughts about the interview. Um, kind of loosely related, Ben Moore wants to know, if you could interview any manager and player from your time, Stu, I'll come to you on this, um, who would it be? You've obviously had the, the most Ipswich Town managers and players under your, what was it were? Again, what people that have been at the club that... It just says if you could interview any any ITFC manager and player from your time, I'm assuming he means who would it be? So who? I guess who is I'd love, the best I'd be, Well, in terms of doing a sort of a big sit down interview, I'd love I'd love to sit down with Mick because yeah. he's the manager that I've worked with the most six years at the club that I covered every, every game, every every off field situation all through that period. I, there's so many things that so many untold stories of that time. I'd love to sit down and just reflect with him, you know, for the good times towards the start, um, how he really felt. Yeah, sometimes with the fullness of time, you get you get a bit more honesty in the full story, how, how he really sort of worked alongside Evans and those find that those horrible sort of six months drawn out sort of exit for him. And um, yeah, the, the Norwich, the Norwich celebration, uh, all, all of that sort of stuff. He'd, he'd be one I'd like to sit down and do. I have asked by the way, and, uh, I've been given a polite no several times, but maybe one one day he'll relent. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to get Mick on one day. Uh, Hutchie, we, we've talked before about managers you've covered. Clearly, De Canio, I'm assuming, would be your manager. Um, you'd, you'd most like to sit down and interview in, in full, in depth. Any particular players you've enjoyed chatting to over the years? Um, well, from it, from Ipswich perspective, I'd I'd quite like to talk to Paul Hurst again, if I'm honest, yeah. and uh, about that whirlwind of a of a three four months that he was here and. I'm sure he's got some very different reflections on it now, three years or so down the line. So um, that would be that would be interesting. Um, playing player wise, um, I would like to do an in depth interview with Larson Torre. Okay, yeah, nice. Um, and I'd like to do that just to find out a bit more about him because I think he was a bit of a mythical figure who nobody yeah. knew anything about i thought he was relatively good at football as well and just uh yeah I'd, I'd like to do something a little bit a little bit different with him on paul hurst sorry karen relatively good at football <laughs> yep relatively do you see the corner he took <laughs> relatively yeah it's all it's all relative boys um on paul hurst i i I still obviously it didn't work out for him. He went nuclear far too soon, didn't he? But I, I still think that it was kind of on the right lines, the way he was thinking and talking. A lot of the things we're talking about now yeah, is kind of what they tried to do then. But the, the gear shift was so, you know, it was like trying to ram the car from second gear into fifth straight yeah. away. And, and no wonder the engine blew up. It was um, a lot of the, the thought process behind it, the type of managerial appointment that, you know, embracing sports science and technology. That was the big talk at the time, wasn't it? And um, yeah, a, a lot of it was on the right lines, but it was just too much too soon. It was far too extreme. Um, mm. I think as well, I, I think, yeah, did they have the wrong owner at, at the club to be, yeah. did the owner really want to do that side of thing? Did the owner want to change that much? Mm. I would say probably not. I think Paul had to push, Marcus Evans very very hard to upgrade the gym at Playford mm. Road. I think they came in and they just they found a like a, a very under equipped gym that I think I think one of them I can't remember this, if this was publicly or privately suggested that um like you could you you've got better facilities at like the local pure gym or something if if and, and that's not great is it for a kind of professional football environment. That, that he had to push very very hard to upgrade that gym a bit and I feel sure they've upgraded it again since so maybe yeah. maybe they didn't have the right man kind of controlling the purse strings to I, make I that I feel happen, like Paul know? Hurst was the compromise option that it went against and this is pretty clear if you remember there was the Evans statement or further down the line which was the be careful what he used the the uh, the fateful phrase be careful what you wish for back on the fans almost mm. like you 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 pushed me into this it was against my better judgment but everyone was calling for this younger modern manager after Mick and I didn't really want to do it but I went for him and I feel like Hurst was the kind of 
halfway house option. He didn't fully commit to it because he, he he had some Mick McCarthy qualities about him in terms of sort of not just being the 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 frugal Yorkshireman as he kind of I spend my money as if it's I spend the money as if it's my own and all that sort of stuff. But also the man management was, you know, you wouldn't you just can't imagine Kieran McKenna calling up Jonas Knudsen and Bart Bielkowski and saying, I know you're just coming back from the World Cup, but you've done nothing for me yet. And, uh, you know, we had the infamous rant after the Exeter game, just a couple of games in. and um, So although he kind of ticked the younger up-and-coming manager box, it was a... He didn't still... He's, he's not in the Kieran McKenna sort of plucked from a Manchester United Academy mm. set-up mm. type, type appointment, was he either? Mm. You know what would be yeah. great is if we could get and this is never going to happen. If you get Paul Hurst, Paul Lambert, Paul Cook, and Mick McCarthy just oh, on man. just on here, just together, and just let them let them have a chat. And that, that would cover what? That would cover a decade of Ipswich Town management. We've got to get Keno in as well, haven't we? Just <laughs> he can come in kind of like wrestling style halfway through, like you know, when the, oh, the, oh, all, yeah. the, all, all the lights go off. down. Dong. And here, here he comes. <laughs> Keno comes walking, walking to the ring, doing a Billy Dollar strut. Yeah. Um, right then, boys. Um, Rossi, another question for you from Maddie Reader, uh, who I know got involved uh, with the town her game two stuff, which is tremendous. Um, as we all know, Rossi, good old Ross, like that, Maddie, loves a Jaffa cake. However, is it a cake or a biscuit? Now, for me, the, the answer is obvious. Um, but Rossi, you are the, the, the Jaffa cake connoisseur, um, <laughs> the arbiter of all things Jaffa. So what are you saying? <laughs> oh God. He's always got some to hand, unbelievable. Got it. It's always on my desk, always on my desk. Um, it, it's a cake because a biscuit, you, you know, you, you can dunk it in a tea, Jaffa cake, it's just all soggy and it's got cake in its name. So and it's sponge cake and all that. So I think that's the, I think that's the giveaway that it's actually called a cake. Um, yes. So there you go. Let, let, we've cleared that up for you, Maddie. Thanks for your question. Right then, boys, this is, this is a good one for you. It, again, it, it's kind of out of the interview, um, but it's a good question from Mullet. Um, in in the chat, Ashton and McKenna alluded to some sort of meeting um, halfway um, as, as the courtship was happening. Um, and Mollet wants to know which motorway services did Ashton and McKenna rendezvous at? I reckon it was Keel. Now, clearly, you boys are big big noises when it comes to motorway services uh, and rating them, ranking them. You must have been to loads of them. So, which one do you reckon it might have been, and which one would you have chosen in terms of what's your favourite? I mean, Keel would have been my guess as well. Yeah, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's got every it's it's got a few things that you need. Um, it's, it, I think from memory, I think it will do your weight rows. That's what uh, you want. Ashton, Ashton yeah. needs the weight rows. Uh, th- what I, are I the other I... options? Stafford. We're not really. Stafford's... We don't do a lot of M6. We're very no. much A A1 men, A1 and across, or the A, yeah. as I call it. <laughs> gets Andy every time. I don't know why. <laughs> Every single time, that really makes me giggle. <laughs> just um, it might have been where we had our, our Christmas do, Andy. Do you remember? That was, what was that? Yeah. Castle under Lime. Um, yeah. The Brewers maybe, Fair. Maybe they went to the Brewers Fair there where we went for our Christmas, maybe. our two-man Christmas do. I, I'd love to know exactly where it was because you can gauge who had to drive further. That means who had to do the most legwork. Who had yeah. To, who's... If it if it's not if you're getting up to Nutsford on the M6, that's McKenna territory, and Ashton's had to go had to go fully in to make this happen. If it's Keel, that's pretty pretty even. Same with Stafford. But if you're getting down, they could have gone to the to IKEA at Wensbury near Walsall. That's on the M6 for for a meatballs and um, meatballs and and a little 79p hot dog, which that would have been Ashton territory. It needs to be higher level, though, doesn't it? it? It needs to have something. You can't see them sitting in KFC. Certainly, I can't see Ashton sitting in KFC. Unlike, it's for unlikely. A, for a boneless but banquet. They talked about rooms being rapidly booked. So, um, Travel Lodge right. at Keel. And that, <laughs> and Do you think it's good. an actual hotel room? <laughs> they check yeah. in and then just sit. One sits on the bed while the other one sits at the, <laughs> the, the little desk bit. <laughs> yeah. What's your favourite services, boys? Just out of interest. Where you go, yes, we can stop at so and so. Gloucester, Gloucester, Eco Man, uh, Beaconsfield. Rossi, any update while we're talking about service stations on driving? It's happening soon, Darrow. <laughs> it's been happening soon <laughs> since God knows when. Um, right then, where are we? 
James Houston wants to know, boys, what I think you, you kind of mentioned this before, but it's an interesting question. What previous town player would you have liked to play under McKenna, given that he's a coach extraordinaire? This is excluding the obvious of, of Dazelle and Downs, which I think is what you mentioned uh, on the pod yeah. earlier this week. What player do you think, do you know what, under, under this fantastic new coach, they could really have done something with him? Do you know who I think would be brilliant under Herman Herideson? Yeah, on the left, on the left, play he'd play the left side of the three centre backs. Now that's a man that loves striding out with the ball a little bit, comfortable on his left foot. He's quite imposing. Um, he, when he played left back for Ipswich, there he's had some decent assists in in his time. I think he would. Uh, I think he'd fit in in that in that position nicely. Stewie. Okay, Larson Torre. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Larson Torre. What about someone like Owen Garvin? He has yeah. skills. He has skills. Passing, possession, exactly. plays football. Ross He'd play the Lee, the Lee role, wouldn't he? In, yeah. in, he's going to take that place. Rossi? I've got one. Valicia Shmulakoski, the Macedonian Gerard. Nice. He was good. I liked him. Yeah, he had, I liked he him had, too. Yeah, he was, it just didn't happen for him, did it? Really, he never got the consistent. But I quite liked. It. He had a bit of drive in him. He could do a yeah. bit of the, maybe a bit of what Morsi does. Um, yeah, quite liked. Him. He had a shot on him as well. Yeah. Also, Rossi, fantastic pronunciation. Well played. Off the cuff. Right, we'll take one more football question, then we'll do a couple of non-football to finish because I know people like that. Alex Herbert, he's asked this every single time we put out a mailbag appeal. So let's answer it. He says it's the end of the season and Town are in League One for another year. McKenna's left, and the Four Kings. Five, you count bacon. Sitting comfortably in Mark Ashton's throne in charge of appointing a new gaffer. The only applicants are our last six permanent managers. Who would you appoint? Stewie, you've you've covered all of those managers. So you, you can't have McKenna. It's the previous six to McKenna. I'm assuming obviously. so, yeah. So who's um, that then? That's um, uh, Goes Cook, back to Keane. Lambert. Lambert. Yeah. Mick. Jewel. Jewel. Keane. Keane. <laughs> God, that's a bit uh, of a rogues gallery, isn't it? When you look at it like that. Um, I've got an I know, answer. I know, I'm, I'm having all Go day on. long. Roy Keane. Get Roy Keane back. That'd be tremendous. Can you see it working? Can you see no. that being... No, but it'd be amazing for us. It'd be brilliant. Um, especially, he's got all those extra years of anger now stored up, Roy Keane. He's a bit more media savvy because he's done all the punditry stuff. He'd be brilliant. I'm not sure how he'd get on with you boys at press conferences. Um but from my point of view, it'd be it'd be pay per view stuff. Um, so I'm saying Keane. What about you, Stewie? I think we can comfortably probably put Paul Jewell at the bottom of this, <laughs> yeah. this list. Um, I, I know who I'm going second. for. Go on, go on, Paul Paul Lambert. What? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going for Paul Lambert. He's talked about not having a structure and how. Okay. And how uh, how he really suffered for not having any kind of football structure whatsoever. Well, he's got it now. Um, we can press the reset button, go back to the beginning when he was a bit of a charmer, and um, and see how he gets on. Um, and you know what? In terms of the the football's not too dissimilar. It, the attempted football is not too dissimilar. I'd I'd probably go Paul Lambert out of out of those. I, w- I wouldn't be hugely enthusiastic about these applications arriving on my desk if I'm completely honest, but um I'd I'd go for Paul Lambert. I suppose seriously, if I'm thinking about it, having just said what I've said about Paul Hurst, I would probably say seriously Paul Hurst, given a, a proper go at it, um with the players that have now left um and the kind of ideas that he, he kind of had. That might be something. <clears throat> what about? Could you make again. an argument for 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 Hurst? Yeah, because he's, he's he knows the lower league market. Yeah, he's um would maybe fit into the system a little bit more. He might he might come back and think I've learned some lessons from uh, from last time around. You could make an argument there if if you're having to pick one. It's not great, is it? It's not a great scenario. Um, I hope this isn't what happens in the summer. I think just listing those again, though, just kind of puts into con- context kind of what a rogues gallery it has been and, and in terms of the none, things that town have tried. None of them are currently working in no <laughs> in, in outside of non-league football. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? Um, right then, let's take a, a couple of non-footballing questions. This, I suppose this is kind of footbally questions. Al, Al Gibson says, in the halcyon days of the Robson era to the Burley reign, everyone knew the boots that star players wore and aspired to own. 
hat-tricks like Keegan, Adidas like Marinor, Puma like Maradona. What boots did you guys aspire to wear when brightly covered boots were never a thing? Rossi, you're obviously the youngest by quite a way. Have you Were you playing football in an era where there weren't ridiculously coloured boots on offer? Um, you know, like, you know, total 90s, they were sort of my my era in terms of growing up. Um, so they were, you could, it could have been all black if you want, all black and with a bit of white trim on it. Um, mm. So that's probably where my go-to, of course, that's Nike. So my Adidas boys, <coughs> sorry, but all Predators, the Predators back in the day. Once again. Pred- predators would be the obvious one for me. Yeah. Um, are you all in agreement there, boys? Yeah, I wasn't really, I was a goalkeeper, so I wasn't really a, wasn't really a boots man. I was a, I was a gloves guy, but um, yeah, predators for the boots. Did you see, by the way, on the subject of, of Rossi moving away from Adidas? Did you see the PSG um, team picture with with uh, with Messi? Um, where they had to cover a bit like when Jordan uh, in the '92 Olympics had to cover the the um, the, the Adidas logo on the, on the uniform with the American flags. Obviously, he's a Nike athlete. That to have someone basically sitting on Messi's foot. Because um, he was wearing, wearing he's wearing brand trainers which weren't um, associated with the brand of PSG, and that's that's what you can get to in football these days. So you were a predators man back in the day when you were kicking. Well, there was a, there was a big the there was a big scare about uh, Adidas predators getting uh, getting injuries, wasn't there? Getting a load of foot yeah. injuries um, and the the new that's blades right. and everything. Um, no, they were too they were too flash for me as a uh, as a centre half. I was. Um, Strictly a Puma Kings man or an Adidas World Cup. They were my, they were my boots on rotation. Nice, Patrick Palmer. Double P wants to know. We know Bacon is a published billionaire with an erotic thriller, uh, and now Andy has an epic involving Chambo Chambers and M, just waiting to be put to paper. On that note, actually, uh, and and uh, who was it? T- Tab Thomas Bowles did an excellent Photoshop job of, of Chambers and Skews uh, imagined. You say you've actually written this i mean is this like going to be published at some point it's an actual thing it's more than Um, just a a side of paper there's there's some elements to it but it's not i'm not happy with it It, it's to i was thinking of making it a little um little like like the archers but on the podcast nice uh but it's not ready Um, and it's and it's been in storage for a couple of years so or at least a year anyway so it might it might emerge at some point I like it. Anyway, um, Patrick wants to know, we want to know, what are the great life's work of Heath, Ross and Watson just waiting to burst forth? They always say that journalists, every journalist has got a book in them. We know Bacon has one because he's written it. Um, Hutchie has got a detective drama. Rossi, if you were going to write something, what would it be about? Um, Fun facts. Fun facts with Ross Halls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you got any? (laughs) <clears throat> no, not, to, not, not really. Yeah, <laughs> be a slow burn. Do you know a fun fact I learned the other day? The the, the guy who invented the Pringles tube uh, is buried in one. <laughs> True. That down. What a really big fact, one. Uh, well, just no, made it's, a... no, it's actually his ashes, uh, and then that's his okay. interred. Um, but yeah, he's in he's in a Pringles tube. There you go. Fact. Oh, that's the way. He also, to go. also, there used to be a breed of penguin that was six foot tall. I'm hitting you with all the facts. Stewie, I, I've said before you're going to write a book. You're definitely going to write a book. It's probably going to be the first of many. Um, when you write that book, what's it going to be about? Um, I would. I'd quite like to do um, sort of ghostwrite some an autobiography for for somebody at some point. Yeah. So yeah, I'd uh... do mine if you want. <laughs> what, what would that like, be called, Hutchie? <laughs> don't know. That's up to Stu. He's. You've got um, my whole life to work with, mate. I'll come back with you for the title on that. Eyelashes and calves is what I'd call it. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to write something at some point as well. It's just about finding the time, isn't it, boys? It's quite hard to find the time to sit down and write stuff when you, all you do all day is sit down and write stuff. Um, right then, two more questions. Where are we? Actually, let's finish with this one because we're getting on with time. Harvey Davis. Harvey Davis, Hutchie. Harvey Davis, yep. Yeah, Harvey Davis. Yep. Harvey Davis, oh, Rossi, Har- Harvey Davis, Rossi, Sweetheart Prince, friend of the yeah, show, baby, friend of the sh- exactly. Why are you re- refusing to give him his official title? Hopefully? Because because beef. I no, there's no, there is no beef whatsoever with Harvey. I just, I just think the world has moved on since the restrictive friend of the show list. We've got so many friends of this wonderful show. I, 
I, d- I feel I feel like we need to move on from it. Do we? I'm let's make sure. a fat. Let's make a fan club. A Lee Sharp fan club. <laughs> fan club member. Harvey Davis, friend of the show, number three. Excellent. And this is going to be where my bag ends today. He says Heath Watson, Warren Halls, and Bacon are all out in London celebrating a town playoff win at Wembley. It's going to happen, boys. He wants to know who's paying for the taxi down. Who's claiming he'll buy the first drinks after not forking out anything for the taxi? Who's first on the dance floor and who's the first home? Well, I'm saying straight away, claiming you'll buy the first drinks, definitely Rossi. <laughs> um, who's paying for the taxi down? Archant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, but, but, you'll, but you'll, you'll say, I'll get this, lads. Oh, yeah, yeah then I'll but... claim it back. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm saying Archant via Heath then for the taxi. Um, or, or Heath Fire Arch and whatever way around. I'm saying Rossi for the first drinks. Who's first on the dance floor? Bacon. Reckon... Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Bacon, Bacon or Roscoe, I reckon. Uh, and then who's the first home? Probably probably me, I've got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think there might be you some... out in the first places. <laughs> yeah. 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 Would be cool. Hotchie, you've got thoughts? I think there'll be some ken- contenders for first home, if I'm honest. I think... I think there were a few pretenders to that crown, me being mm. one of them. Yeah. Rossi, we know, would stay out all night in London, having scraps. On the, anyway. on the streets, eat, eating chicken bones at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And offering anyone out who looks at his phone. You, you want to nip my phone? I'll have you. Um, <laughs> <right then. laughs> have it. Take it. That, that there, there concludes Mailbag for another week, and I'm enjoying this. Thanks, Stu, for bringing this back. It's nostalgic and excellent. Boys, now we have to move on to the final part of the show, which is look at Burton this weekend. I'm going to come with you, Roscoe, first of all, because you've just recorded a Meet the Oppo, at least you were certainly meant to be doing this morning. Um, we've talked about town having eventful transfer windows. Mm. Burton have just had a very eventful transfer window. They've basically lost, I think, three of their, their top scorers um, have gone. Uh, and so they're in a bit of turmoil. They've added, they've added some, obviously, more players to, to fill those gaps. But what, what, what were you thinking about Burton? What were you told this morning from your, your friend in Burton? Yeah, Colston Crawford. That's his name. Nice. I spoke to. Like Very um, old school. Um, that'd definitely be a good like detective name, maybe. Um, but no, yeah, they've had a very transitional transfer window. A lot of their players have left. Like Lucas Atkins, who's there, is a club legend. He's he's joined Mansfield, you know, linked that with Nigel Clough. Um, he's always a player, always look out for when you play Burton. He's always that big, big striker, isn't he? Although he plays fullback sometimes as well. Um, but they've got two rookies up front, one who's um, formerly of Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, so, boo, all that jazz. Um, <laughs> but that, they, they got, of course, a, a massive win on, on Tuesday night, beating Bolton 3-1. Um, of course, Bolton, using the cliche, the pitch was rubbish, so we couldn't play our football. Um, but I think it was a, you know, a beating a form side. But no, I think Bolton, Bolton, or Burton are going to be a tough nut to crack. I think they're going to be a team who are going to be coming to Portland Road, looking to. We are the bogey side. That's what he said. Burton Albion for us. And mm. um, when they come, we normally beat them. So it, normally for Burton, it's a bogey side. So um, no, a lot, a lot of good stuff from the Oppo. I'm not really saying the right things right now, but uh, <laughs> watch it and you'll find out. <laughs> Rossi not really saying the right things in the right order, but definitely watch the video when it comes out. Um, Stewie, this is the start of a big weekend or a big few days for town. Burton at home, Cheltenham at home. Real chance to make it a moving day, as they say in golf. Um, get get six points and, and put even more pressure on the sides above them. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, Ipswich have got to win at least half of their remaining 14 games, probably more in reality. It's realistic. It's going to lead probably eight or nine. And you, you have to peg down Burton at home as as one of those wins, realistically. But Burton, I would describe them a bit like Accrington as just being an awkward team to play. They kind of, they make it a game of chaos. They swamp you. They just stick the ball repeatedly on top of you and hope that eventually you, you make a mistake. Um <clears throat> which obviously lost the reverse fixture earlier in the season. Um, as, as Ross says, I looked at their team from the weekend and it's it's barely recognisable from from, uh, from from the first fixture. So, yeah, in, interested by this one, which managed to sort of sidestep a couple of banana skins uh, against Gillingham and Doncaster. And um, 
this you have to say is, is another one that they need to negotiate. Right, Hutchie, let's get into the team then, shall we? Um, in terms of the team, it, the kind of back eight almost picks itself now, doesn't it? Certainly the back four, we know what that will be. If Evans is fit, you'd imagine he's going to come in in midfield. You've got Thompson and Burns either side of them. So again, we're back to the the, old, the same old dance, that the, the front three. Clearly, there was a major spanner thrown in at MK Dons with KJ coming from Siberia to start. Um, and McKenna, again, explained very well his thinking on that. Um, so what would you do with, with that top three? And am, am I missing anyone anywhere else when I say that the back eight pretty much select themselves? I don't think so. Um, yeah, Evan, Evans, hopefully... Could could be he was he was ill at the weekend, so mm-hmm. whether he's over that illness or not uh, remains to be seen. That's the one, but I think I'd probably I think I'd probably keep at least I'd certainly I'd probably keep Selena and Chaplin, um, and I'd I'd think about keeping Caden Jackson in that side, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if if this was maybe one where the striker got changed mm. and go go with with Bon, maybe someone that's a little bit more of a an all-rounder um, as, as the striker. But if it came out as an unchanged side, aside from Lee Evans coming back in, I, I wouldn't be too upset with that at all. Shui? Um, I think there might be the rotation up front again, um, as well as Jackson sort of helped them execute a game plan at MK Dons. This is a different type of game. It's a home game. Burton are a completely different style of opposition to MK Dons. So I'd, I'd be surprised if Jackson went again. I think in a in a game of chaos against Burton, Ipswich might look for a bit of control. Sonny Aluko's been a bit of a forgotten man, surprisingly, of, of late. I'd like to see him back in, in the side. Um, just to someone who can put their foot on the ball and get out of, you know, while while the game's going at a hundred miles an hour, I think he's someone that can help you dictate the pace of the game. So I'd like to see him in, but <clears throat> who he comes in for is another question, isn't it? Um, Chaplin, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Connor Chaplin is his goals are kind of keeping him in in the team and his energy as well. But um, it's impossible to call who's who's going to start in these games. There's also you have to take take into account that Burton have got a major set piece threat as well, and um, that's why I think getting Evans back in the side just to add a little bit of height extra height would be good <coughs> excuse me in physicality and you could argue the same about Norwood or Bonn um, you know as much for their defensive work for those set pieces as, as well as um, maybe adding an attacking threat as well. Mm. Rossi because it's his 24th birthday today I want to ask you about about Kyle Edwards who is kind of forgotten man um, <clears throat> earlier in the season we were all saying how incredible it was that town have got a player like him in in league one Um and now it's kind of hard to see where he fits in this side. Is there still a role, do you think, for, for Carl Edwards? And where, where would you play him? I know you were probably the worst person to ask this, but you frequently say, oh, I don't okay. care about lineups, it's up to the manager. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what, what, what would you say about Carl Edwards? I think definitely he still has a, has a role in this team. Um, you know, Dominic Thompson's probably playing in his position, maybe. Um, mm. I think that's where you'd play him. But then he could play on the right as well. Um, it, is, it is mad to think we've got player like Carl Edwards on the bench, like any other league one team, even probably on on Saturday, MK Don's probably thinking, we're now bringing on James Norwood and McCordy Bond. Now thinking, what? And it's like a lot, lot of games, like Wimbledon, when we, we brought on, I think it was Chaplin came on, wasn't it? or Selena came on, and you think this is just mad. But um, I think he's definitely got a role. Um, I think at the moment he may have to be that impact sub, but then we could get surprised by McKenna. He may start out of the blue. So yeah. we, we shall see. Hmm. Okay. Hutchie, you know what time it is? It's time for Million Pound Picks, baby. What are we doing this week? Always the same. Ha- hammer on Sam Morsi to score £50,000 on it, but double it up with an Ipswich win. So Morsi to score anytime, Ipswich to win, fifty grand returns £400,000. And how are we doing? We, 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 won big, didn't we? we won big, didn't we, the weekend? Or was that the week before? Uh, no, no, we did not. We lost We lost medium. So we're down, we're down to around like... 900, 850 grand, something like that. Rubbish. So arguably, arguably, this whole thing is completely pointless. Um, <laughs> but we'll keep going to the end of the season at least. I mean, when you really think about it, life as a whole, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we have that chat? No, let's not. Um, right then. So you're saying Morsey to score, Town to win. Give me a prediction, Hutchie. What are you saying? 
2-1 Town. Rossi? I'll mute myself. 1-0 uh, to the Tractor Boys, baby. Clean sheet. 2-1, 1-0. Stewie, you saying a win? Yeah, <clears throat> got to, haven't I? 2-1 uh, no. as well. You don't have to. I don't have to, but I want to, and I will do. <laughs> like Andy, 2-1. Two two ones a one nil and obviously I'm saying seven nil. So there we go. Everyone's saying that, that town are gonna win this one weekend. One day, one day it will come off. <laughs> um before we take our lead, boys, any other any other business, anything to bring up, anything I've not talked about, anything you want to get off your chest before we leave. Stu looks like he's about to die. Um coughing away. Uh Hutchie, anything anything to add? No other business. Rossi. No business. Oh, we should we should mention, of course, when I, I talk about all these podcasts we're putting out this week, pumping out free of charge to you, the KOA Army. Um, Tractor Girls Talk is out there now for people to listen to. Um, and yeah. also you're doing a fan social this <laughs> evening, which will go out tomorrow, Friday. Who's on the fan social this week? Uh, good old John Watson. Um, good old. Ben DF. And the Sweet Wells Prince, Harvey Davis, will be on. There we go. Get his thoughts on, on being taken away from the friend of the show list That's no 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 no. Up. let's let's not rewrite what was said <laughs> stewie have you got anything to say or can you say anything uh no i'm just quietly <laughs> dying here excellent lovely just like the show uh right then boys that's that's wrapped up for this week uh please support our sponsor manscape user code kway uh to get 20 percent off and free delivery on all their excellent clobber at manscape.com uh also support us on social media by following us uh, across all social medias, Kings of Anger on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also please leave us a five-star review on iTunes because it helps us visibility-wise in the charts, helps more people see us, which is great, especially when we've just had something like the big Ashton and McKenna interview. Um, there you go. Hope you've enjoyed all the shows we brought to you this week. Go back and listen to the Ashton McKenna interview if you've not. And even if you have, go back and listen to it a second time because it's well worth a second listen. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game if you're going. And we'll speak to you again next week. Crime to football, Brexit to Coatesville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.